Come on, everybody. Here we go. Up to Neverland. Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where we interview Disney content creators and product producers. We share Disney stories and strategies for how to grow your Disney hobby or business. Here's your host, Brendan Wright. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. With us today is someone I'm so excited to chat with. Her love and passion for Disney spills through on everything that she's able to do, and it's what really attracted me to reach out and try to get her on the show. So I'm so excited that Lisa Green was able to devote her time and, and come on with chat with us today. She's from livingadisneylife.com as well as some other things as well. We'll get into that. But Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, for someone who's not as familiar oh, thanks with, for having me. Yeah, for someone who's not as familiar with your work, if you can just introduce yourself and tell a little bit about what you do. Okay, well, um, as you mentioned, my name is Lisa Green, and um, since 2013, I have had a website, livingadisneylife.com, and then um, that kind of swept me away into the Disney fan community and inspired me to uh, start a podcast with my friends Nick and Dave. We did the Disney Exchange for about 190 episodes, and we ended it earlier this year, Um, not because we didn't love it anymore, but just because, you know, real life stuff takes you away from sometimes your your Disney passion. Um, I'm active on all social medias, but mostly I just pour my heart into living a Disney life. Here lately, my blog posts have been a little sparse because of uh, my day job, but um, I'm ramping back up again and getting ready to go into the holidays, and I'm super excited about that and sharing um, my latest uh, adventures. So that's good. Yeah, and it's been great to follow along. I've really jumped into your blog and and went quite a ways back of reading them, and I really enjoy reading your content. So I would suggest that anybody who's interested in reading Disney blogs that livingadisneylife.com is is a great resource out there. But I want to turn it back a little bit because you have somewhat of a unique Disney story. Um, I know many of us in the Disney community kind of had this love from a childhood uh, that then spilled over into adulthood. But yours is a little bit different. So could you share that love story for Disney and, and how your love for Disney has evolved over time? Well, I hope we're talking about the same thing. But um, when, I, you know, I'm old uh, compared to the rest of the Disney fan community, I'm a rather mature member. And so my love for Disney really was born when I was a small child. And uh, the wonderful world of Disney came on Sunday nights right after Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. So uh, that was a a do not miss for our family. And so every Sunday night we gathered around the television, um, the kind where you actually had to walk to the television to change channels. And we watched uh, the wonderful world of Disney. My parents took me to uh, Disney movies in our hometown theater. My mother uh, was an awesome piano player. And so she would buy sheet music, particularly I remember she had the, uh, the sheet music for all the Mary Poppins songs and she would play uh, the music for Mary Poppins that so I could sing along. And that is where my love of Disney was born is that my parents kind of Disneyfied me, uh, you know, back in the, <laughs> as my son would say in the age of cavemen and dinosaurs, <laughs> that's where I started loving Disney. And, um, coincidentally, and this is crazy. Um, I just thought about this when I was prepping for tonight at the same time, when I was growing up, 
under that those circumstances, I also was raised by the Muppets because Sesame Street was on um, all the time. And by the time I was in junior high, the Muppet show was on and I, I was just an avid, avid Muppet. And also I grew up with Star Wars and Indiana Jones. So it's like the perfect storm of Disney acquiring all the things that I was a child. And that kind of ramped everything up exponentially, if you will. Yeah, and, and that's perfect. And and I think so many people can relate to that. I guess what I was referring to, uh, to make sure that we're on the same page, is that your first trip to Disney World um, it came right after you got married. And then it kind of, um, your love for Disney and your marriage became intertwined. So what was that first experience like? And how did you get hooked on it from, from that point? Okay, so I was already a huge Disney fan. And then I married someone. I had never been to a Disney park. But my husband was crazy about Walt Disney World. And so when we got married, uh, it was a bad time for us to leave immediately for our honeymoon. We got married in September. We were both super busy with our jobs at that time. So we planned um, a trip right after the first of the year. And this would be in 1990. We got married in September of 1989. And he could not wait to take me to Walt Disney World. So um, we we got there, you know, not long after uh, the studios opened. And I could not believe what I had been missing. So, you know, we'll celebrate our, we just celebrated our 29th wedding anniversary. So next year we're, we're going for number 30. And this whole time that we've been married, we've been going to Disney World. We raised our kids on uh, Disney World and Disney Cruise Line vacations. And it's just been something that we've shared passionately together the whole time. And our kids are suitably um, Disney addicted as well. Yeah, that, that and that's great. And I know that you share some information about your whole family as well, that everybody is kind of in love with Disney. Was there ever a moment maybe when your kids were growing up where they kind of fell out of love with it? Or have you guys been tried and true all the way through that, that Disney's always been a, a big focal point in your lives? Okay, so our daughter who is uh, married, she did not get married at Walt Disney World, but they honeymooned there and they had a lot of Disney touches in their wedding, she had a, a Disney princess themed bridal shower. I mean, she's all in. Um, the, they they just had their first child a couple of months ago, and the nursery is completely Disney decorated. It's awesome. Our son, he is much more of an adventurer. So there was a time when we really tried to concentrate on Disney cruises for him instead of the Disney theme parks because he wanted to see more of the world. So we did that, but. Um, he actually, I thought, oh, no, he's falling out of love with Disney. And I was so wrong because he applied for it and was accepted to the Disney College program, which he did uh, earlier this year. And he had a really great experience. So um, I had to say, oh, I, I didn't realize you loved it as much as you do. Because he, he really was excited about being accepted to the Disney College program. That's awesome. Did he enjoy his experience through the DCP program? Oh, my gosh, yes. He... He had timing was everything for him. So he said, I've I've got to go this semester, like first semester of 2018. I have to go. So I'm going to I'm going to be open to anything. I'll take anything that that they can fit me in. 
that's how bad I want to go and the time is just exactly right. So he ended up in quick service food and beverage and he um, he's a biology major with a minor in chemistry. So he was super excited to be stationed in Animal Kingdom and he had a wonderful time. That's great. I, I think it's probably something that my wife and I um, regret is that we got caught up into college and trying to graduate quickly and get out into the real world. And it was kind of an afterthought, whereas both of us, it was kind of in our senior years, looked around and said, well, maybe we should have done the college program at some point and gone down there and experienced life as a cast member. But um, who knows, maybe we can fulfill that obligation in retirement. Well, there you go. You gotta have dreams, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. So I think we have a great backstory and it serves as a great setting for us to talk about what was it that sparked living a Disney life? What was it that pushed you over the edge that you decided that I want to start blogging about Disney? Okay. I'm trying to make a long story short. Um, my daughter and my son are about five years apart in age. So she was already graduated and gone from home and doing the college thing. And then our son in 2000 uh, was going to graduate in 2013. And so I, I got really nervous thinking about all the horror stories I had heard about empty nesting. So people were, you know, crying and talking about how horribly they missed their children and being involved in their lives. And while I thought, "Eh, I don't think that's going to happen to me, but I decided I better have a couple of fallbacks um, to prepare myself for being an empty nester and to make sure that I wouldn't feel you know, unfulfilled or my life felt empty without my children living at home. So first thing I did was I got a dog. I'd never had my own dog that lived in the house that was mine. So I got a dog. I named him Henry Jones Jr. We just call him Jr. So he's a Disney dog. And um, uh, that was good. And then I saw an ad. I don't know if it was Twitter or Facebook. I think it was Twitter. I saw a Facebook, I saw a Twitter ad for a website called tipsfromthedisneydiva.com. And they were looking for writers to write about their love for Disney. And I was like, okay, well, I, I have love for Disney. Maybe this is just the ticket. This is just what I need. I'm going to audition and I'm going to try to write for tipsfromthedisneydiva.com. So I sent them an audition and they, they accepted me right away. And so I started writing blog posts for them. And that was so interesting to me. And I got so excited that I laid awake at night thinking of blog post ideas. And then I realized I had way too many. They wanted two a month and I could come up with 30 a month. So I started my own blog and I called it Living a Disney Life, Empty Nesting with Pixie Dust. And that's five years ago. So there you go. That's awesome. And so... If you, whenever you started it, did you ever picture that it would grow, you know, that you would still be doing it five years later and you would have the interactions that you do with other fans? Oh, heavens, no, 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 no. And that, that is the, the, the number one thing that keeps me going. Even when I think, ah, oh, I could be done with this now, um, just because I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm secure <laughs> in my emptiness, happiness. But it's the people that I meet. It's my friends, Nick and Dave, that I never, ever, ever would have met to do the podcast with if I hadn't been part of the Disney fan community. It's the people that I that I interact with over on Twitter all the time. And when I go to Walt Disney World, I meet up with fellow bloggers and fellow podcasters and people that listened to our podcast or people that read my blog all the time. 
almost every single time I go on vacation, I meet up with somebody that I met through the Disney fan community. And I can't even begin to describe how wonderful it has been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's something that I've talked about on the show is that before I started the podcast, and I've just been doing this for around three months now at the time that we're recording this, I thought that kind of I love Disney as much as I could, that it was at 100%. But then getting into the community and interacting with people and being able to do things like this, just chatting Disney and, and putting podcast episodes out there has just continued to amplify it. Um, it just kind of begin to consume my life but it's something that i that i enjoy uh that process of of being able to have have always an outlet to to be reading something disney or chatting about it with somebody out there well and if you're um like me and you do this i mean my my day job is pretty stressful and i certainly don't want to go on social media and heaven forbid i don't want to spend all my time looking at politics on social media so I make myself a Disney bubble um, outside of of Disney vacations with all my Disney friends. And it's just a great place to hang out and relax. It's so stress-free. For sure. It's funny um, because, you know, I'm, I spend most of my time on Instagram is where I interact with the most Disney people in the Disney community. Um, I hope to venture into Facebook and especially Twitter sometime soon once I get a, get a grasp on Instagram. But I've found that I don't even typically sign into my personal account anymore, that I'm always on my Detour to Neverland account because that's where I've created that Disney environment, like you said, that Disney bubble, um, where that's the content that I'm wanting to consume and that's the people that I want to interact with. So uh, I, I completely uh, agree that it's it's such a great process to, to get enveloped in it. But the next thing I wanted to chat about is it's actually pretty unique timing because you just got back from your first trip to Disneyland and I just got back from my first trip to Disneyland as well. So I just want to hear what were your thoughts on Disneyland and Disney's California Adventure? I have been going to Walt Disney World for so long that I thought um, that Disneyland would be quaint and old-fashioned and small and not maybe not as thrilling and i was completely wrong completely wrong i think disneyland is like uh disney world's um wiser and better looking sibling um just the original magic is still there um the use of space is really unique and reminded us a lot of um you know, I'd always been told that Walt Disney was inspired by uh, Tivoli Gardens in Copenhagen to, as, a, as, a, as a way to build an amusement park for families outdoors. And we've been to Tivoli Gardens in Copenhagen and then to go to Disneyland and Disney California Adventure where we could see the, and that was super meaningful to me. I agree. And it's something that you wrote about in your blog post as well, that it was a different experience because we're we're lifelong Walt Disney World visitors as well. So I think we're in similar boats. But it was so interesting to be in a park, um, in a Disney park that was so familiar, but you still had to have that map in front of your face. And I think we even commented to ourselves that it's probably been you know 15 or 16 years since I picked up a map in Walt Disney World. 
but in Disneyland, it was a it was a must have resource to get around. Yeah, it was surreal because everything, it, you know, you go into a Disney California Adventure, and a lot of it feels like a Disney Hollywood Studios. You go into Disneyland, and it's it's Magic Kingdom, but it's um like you've been in a Carnival Funhouse with the tilting mirrors. It's it's not the same, and you don't really know where you're going, and it's disconcerting. But um, man. They go all out that they ramped up the, you know, we were there for Halloween decorations. And that was just so much more immersive than they can do at Walt Disney World because of the, the size. Most of the Halloween decorations at Walt Disney World are toward the front of the park. Um, at, at Disneyland and Disney California Adventure, it, it's everywhere. <laughs> Cars Land was completely covered with Halloween decorations. It was crazy. Yeah. And I know it's something that you wrote. You did little blurbs about all the attractions. Radiator Springs Racers, I know, was very high on your list, and it was very high on our list as well. What? And, I, and you had a similar thought to me as well that I had been told, well, it's kind of like Test Track. And I, had, I think you even wrote, Test Track is, you know, it's okay. But Radiator Springs Racers is Test Track with an amazing story. So, can you tell us a little bit about your experience and, and what made you love that ride so much? The only similarity to me between test track and radiator Springs racers is that you're in a car that goes outside and exactly. goes fast, mm-hmm. but it is not to me at all the same. So I hate that comparison. I hate it because test track is not even uh, once every other it's, you know, once every few years we might ride Test Track because we're with somebody who wants to ride it. Um, but Radiator Springs Racers is uh, so extra. It's all the details, the, um, the storyline. You get, you know, if you, if you like rides um, like the Monsters, Inc. attraction or it, it – Disney World in Magic Kingdom, The Little Mermaid, where you, you're revisiting all your favorite scenes from a, a, a movie that you love. Radiator Springs Racers has that, but so much more. So you're, you're in, you know, what, Monument Valley, you're in Radiator Springs, you're seeing all of the characters from the cars and movies that you love so much. And at the same time, you're actually in one of the cars from the cars movies. And then you get to race uh, another car. I, I, I don't know. Jerky. It wasn't whiplashy. It wasn't. It was gentle but thrilling. Ah, I, I can't really adequately describe it. It's <laughs> a beyond amazing, and it's and it's nice and long. So you really, if you had to wait in line for it, you'd really get a return on that time investment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, I've never been the biggest Cars franchise fan. Of course, I've seen all the movies and I enjoy them. But as soon as we left Ready Air Springs Racers and Cars Land as a whole, I was immediately saying we've got to watch the Cars movies over again because I feel like I just saw all of the scenes from the movie. So the theming of, of the racers and just of Cars Land was something like I've never experienced before. Complete immersion. Really good. And if you get to Cars Land, eat at Flo's V8 Cafe because it's good food. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Just thought well, I'd throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's a great <laughs> tip. And we ate at Cozy Cone as well, and that was a that was a good stop for us as well. Okay, so there, win-win everywhere in Cars Land. 
<laughs> yeah, I was I was about to say I think we could I could probably spend an entire day just in Carsland and never get bored. A million tiny details. Well, perfect. Well, I think we've covered a lot of great topics. We heard a little bit about your Disney story and living a Disney life and how that came to where it is today. Um, so the next thing I want to run through is our lightning round. So I'll just throw out some Disney topics and you just kind of share the first thing that comes to your mind and our listeners can get to know your Disney fandom a little bit better. I'm ready. All right. So the first one's an easy one. Just name the Disney parks that you have visited. Okay, I've been to all the Walt Disney World parks and Disneyland parks now. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. And let's see, this one will be interesting. Which one is your favorite and why? It, it's it's Magic Kingdom because for me, just and it's it's based on my own experiences and my own happy memories. There is no bigger thrill for me then going through the tunnel onto Main Street USA and seeing Cinderella Castle at the end of the, you know, the Main Street. That is just a, a thrill, no matter how many times I do it. Even if it's a million times, I think it'll still feel the same way. Magical. Yeah, I completely agree. Next one would be a Disney bucket list trip. This is hard because actually Disneyland was it. And now I've done it. Mm. And I haven't formulated a suitable replacement for it we've taken nine disney cruises and um some of the things that we've seen we've been to europe a couple of times alaska we did the west coast uh before we went to disney world so there's there's i kind of am now thinking my net my actual disney bucket list trip would be on one of somewhere far far away but uh closer to home it's on my list to stay at all the dvc resorts at walt disney world yeah i did read that that you i'm a dvc member as well so which is your home resort right now we have two we have uh uh bay lake tower and uh, the uh, villas at grand floridian oh wow grand floridian is a hard to get one so i'm sure it's great to be able to book that one at the 11 month mark we will be staying there at the end of January. Oh, man, that's awesome. So when you guys went to Disneyland, were you able to stay at the Grand Californian on points, or did you have to stay somewhere else? Uh, no, we were. <laughs> uh, we spent all our money on the cruise. Gotcha. <laughs> we spent all our money on the cruise and our pre-stay in Vancouver. So when I went to book Disneyland, I, I picked a good neighbor hotel based on reviews and proximity, and um, we stayed at the courtyard main gate. I have to tell you, that was fantastic. It was the right price, and they those those good neighbor hotels are so competitive with each other that they bring their very best effort, and it was awesome. That's great. It's actually one of our learnings from our trip to Disneyland as well is that. We were not able to get into the Grand Californian. We were online right at the seven-month mark, but all of the uh, one-bedroom suites are already gone. So we transferred our points and stayed over at Paradise Pier, which was a great hotel. But then we were chatting with other guests while we were there, and their walk to the park was much shorter than us staying at a Disneyland official resort. So I think those good neighbors hotels, especially in Disneyland, are an excellent value and offer a closer walk to the park, and, and you don't miss out on much by, by not staying at a Disney resort. Uh, nine minutes it took 
Wow. Raymond said it was actually closer to Disneyland entrance than we are to Magic Kingdom from Bay Lake Tower. Wow. He felt like it was a shorter walk. And um, we were on the top floor with a theme park view, so we watched the fireworks every night. Wow. Well, that sounds that sounds nice. I'll have to write that one down for uh, when we go back because I think it was around an 18-minute walk for us back to Paradise Pier. Um, and it was a good hotel, um, but I would probably place it in the moderate um, level if we were in Disney World. Right, right. Well, that's a great segue for our next question, which is your favorite Disney resort. Um, our favorite Disney resort is the Contemporary, which is how we became DVC members. As we said, if ever they built a DVC next to the Contemporary, we would do everything in our power to uh, become DVC members. And that, that happened for us in 2011. Perfect. And I forgot to min- I forgot to ask before when you mentioned it, but what are the DVC resorts that you have not stayed in yet? Oh, a lot, because I've only oh. stayed in five, I think. Oh, gotcha. I've gotcha. stayed at the, 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 the Polynesian, the Grand Floridian, the Bay Lake Tower. We've stayed at Saratoga Springs, and we've stayed at Old Key West. Perfect. All great ones. So next would be your favorite ride or attraction? Tower of Terror. And it's a great time to ask, what did you think of Guardians of the Galaxy? Okay, so for people who've never experienced either or both of those, don't let anyone compare them because it is not apples to apples. It is apples to oranges. They may look similar and they may have similar vehicles, but they are the experience are vastly, vastly different. So um, I thought Guardians of the Galaxy was outstanding, outstanding. And it, it, you know, I only got to ride it twice, and I wish that I could have ridden it like ten times. Um, it was that good. But um, there's just something about Tower of Terror. It again, it's all tied to vacation memories for me. When we, when Tower of Terror first became available on our Disney vacations when the kids were growing up, um, my husband and my daughter kind of not as enamored with Tower of Terror as my son and I were. And my son and I rode it over and over and over again. I have some great pictures of us when he is little. Um, there's something about Tower of Terror that makes me laugh uncontrollably <laughs> in that ride when it's going up and down. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. It's never been scary to me. It's always been thrilling and makes me laugh and makes me so happy. So it, it you know, yeah, I love things like um, Flight of Passage. And I think that's fantastic. But for me, especially since I've been doing this for a long time, my favorite things are mostly tied to memories. Yeah, that's great. I think that's a perfect way to, to pick out your favorite things. And, and I think that's what it's all about is, is having those memories to go back to. And I'm so glad that you entered it that way. Cause I, when I was reading your blog post and you said that same phrase that comparing the two is like comparing apples and oranges. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that because we feel the exact same way that may have the same skin and the same, um, you know, like you said, the vehicles, but it's a completely different experience between the two of them. Yeah, it would be unfair to to either of them to try to compare. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So next would be your favorite snack or a go-to snack? Um, it's seasonal. When the weather's not hot, it's a churro. When the weather's hot, it's a citrus swirl. Perfect. So citrus swirl over Dole Whip. I'm sorry. I, I know this is going to be <laughs> very disappointing, but I... I 
I absolutely hate Dole Whip. I hate it. Wow. <laughs> I, I didn't try it for the first time till I was like 50 or almost 50. And it was such a disappointment. It was such a disappointment. Well, I guess I'll just view it as more for me. So that that's all right to each their own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So next would be your favorite Disney restaurant. California Grill. Perfect. And if you had to pick a favorite quick service restaurant, do you have one of those? Hmm, that's hard. That is hard. I'm going to say uh, uh, right now, I mean, this is, could be variable, I think, but Harambe Market right now is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Great choice. Next would be outside of the parks, your favorite Disney movie. Beauty and the Beast. Animated or live action? Animated. Perfect. Next would be your favorite Disney song. Be Your Guest. Noticing a theme here. <laughs> well, I can't help it. I love I, I love everything about Beauty and the Beast. And Be Your Guest is song you sing along like an idiot every single time. Yeah, it was actually a first. So we've asked all of our guests this, but my sister-in-law was on the, with us last time. Um, and she is a cast member of Walt Disney World. And she said her favorite attraction was the Enchanted Tales with Belle. I've never heard anybody else say that, but I guess if anybody can relate, it's probably you being such a big Beauty and the Beast fan. You know, I, you know, I tell people all the time, yes, Enchanted Tales is is directed at the the shortest and youngest among us Mm -hmm. but the theming in that attraction and the magical aspects of that attraction are really worth experiencing at least once for everyone Mm -hmm. i completely agree and i think um it's normally we'll probably go through it every other trip um depending on when my sister-in-law will make us go through it with her but um, I think it's something that we're so excited for because I have a brand new baby niece and when she's, you know, a little bit older, that's one of the attractions that's on, you know, at the top of the list that I'm so excited for her to go through. Maybe she'll get picked to be part of the, of the, whatever it is, the presentation. Um, the cast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Part of the cast. So I, I completely agree that and the imagineering and the theming on that one is, is top notch. So next one would be your favorite Disney quote, either from Walt himself or from any of the movies. Oh, it's, it's, I never look back, darling. It detracts from the now. Perfect. That's a great choice. You know who said it? Um, I do not off the top of my head. It's Edna Mode. Oh, now I can hear it. I can hear it in her voice as well. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want to be Edna Mode when I grow up. (laughs) that's great that's great i'm glad that they incorporated her into the incredicoaster that was a great uh little experience seeing her (laughs) yeah yeah i have a christmas ornament of edna mode and it and it talks so i go by the (laughs) christmas tree and press the button on edna mode all the time that's great that was probably one of the most Whenever we were in Walt Disney World, I guess earlier this summer, and when they were doing the incredible summer and saw her driving through Tomorrowland, we had no idea that that was going on. And that was the most one of the most jaw-dropping moments when we saw that Edna Mode was out there 
greeting with the with the guests. That was great. Dang! Oh, <laughs> we didn't get to see Edna, but when we were there in May, um, we were in Tomorrowland, and uh, Frozone just walked up and sat down next to us. <laughs> oh, wow, that's awesome. Perfect. So last question of the lightning round would be your favorite Disney memory. Um, okay. When long, way long time ago, probably circa, I'm going to say 2006. Um, we were staying at the contemporary and, um, uh, my daughter forgot her key to the world card. So she and my husband were headed back to our room to get her, um, key to the world card. And my son and I were on the monorail platform and, I uh, looked over the railing at Chef Mickey's and I could see uh, the goings on below at Chef Mickey. I, you know, in my, in my life, I had never, ever been a Donald Duck fan. In fact, I always thought Donald Duck was really really grumpy and hard to understand. And he was very dramatic and grouchy and prickly. And I never really got Donald Duck and I didn't like him. So here we are in 2006. I'm standing on the monorail platform all by myself. My son was doing whatever, you know, 10-year-old kids do uh, to occupy themselves. And I'm watching Donald Duck outside in front of Chef Mickey taking pictures with people. And the people left him after the picture was taken. And he looked up at me, way up high on the platform, looking down at him. And he made this grand gesture of surprise. Like, it's you. And he pointed at me and he put his hand on my heart, out of his heart, and he started blowing kisses at me. And so the next thing I know, I'm like, at first I'm kind of shyly waving, but it was impossible to resist him. And I started blowing kisses back. And so here, Donald's down at Chef Mickey's. I'm up on the monorail platform. And both of us are going crazy, blowing kisses to each other with both hands. And I hear my son go, Mom, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I said, oh, Joseph, Donald and I are having a moment. And in that moment, um, I fell in love with Donald Duck. And so ever, ever after, every chance I have my picture made with Donald, every chance I get to see Donald, every time I go to an antique store, I buy Donald in some form or fashion if I find him. I'm that one moment changed my heart about Donald Duck and made me his number one fan. And that's my, my favorite Disney memory. Cause that's what Disney magic. That's amazing. Magic is all about right. That's amazing. And I thank you so much for sharing that. Cause that's such a, that's such a wonderful story about what one gesture can really, you know, make an impact. And I think that's what we all love so much about the parks is just the smallest things are what stick with us and that magic is able to carry through through many years. That's it. Well, perfect. So the last question is something that I want to ask all of our guests. And it's if you had a piece of parting guidance to someone who they have this love or this passion for Disney and they're not quite sure of the right way to express it, whether it be a podcast, a blog, a YouTube channel, whatever it might be, they're not sure what the what the best way to express that love is. What is your piece of guidance to that person? Um, well, in general, try different social media platforms till you find the one where you feel the most comfortable. Because my real advice is to be true to yourself. 
Um, be true to yourself and what you love about Disney and be honest. If there's things about Disney that you don't absolutely love, you don't have to say you do. I'm critical of things, but it doesn't diminish my love for Disney. Nothing I don't think could make me stop going to Disney parks or taking Disney cruises or having Disney in my home. Um, but be true to yourself, be you. And for heaven's sake, don't try to convert people um, or feel the need to justify or explain your Disney passion. Either get it or they don't. And honestly, the parks are crowded enough as it is. So don't try to convert more people to go to the parks because we don't need them. <laughs> and that's my best advice. No, I think that is that's wonderful advice. And I, I completely agree that if you're out there trying to convert people or trying to convince people that, you know, that they should jump on and have the same interest as you, you're fighting an uphill battle that there's enough people in the Disney community who are out there looking for blogs to read or looking for podcasts to listen to or looking for different ways to try to continue that magic outside of the parks or outside of a movie um, that there's the Disney community is large enough for everybody to kind of get their word out there and, and make new relationships and being able to interact with other people with, with like-minded. So I thank you so much for sharing that advice. That's perfect. Well, one of my um, favorite blog posts that I ever wrote and one of the actual most popular that people still read all the time is what is the Disney bubble? And um, it, it's, Either you get, when you're in the Disney bubble, you understand the magic they're in, or you don't. And I think if you don't, I'm not holding it against you, you don't understand. You Maybe whatever pixie dust hit me did not, and you don't get what it is to be in the Disney bubble. So don't, don't come back. Don't feel obligated to bring your kids. If you don't feel the magic, don't worry about it. It's not you. It's just the way it is. Yeah, I think that that's absolutely great. And it actually reminds me, I'm part of some DVC Facebook groups, and there's a lot of conversations going on about that, that there's a line of, of being critical. And then there's a line of just, you know, complaining to complain. And I think that um, as a as a real Disney fan, and someone who gets it, and like you said, that the pixie dust did hit them in the right way. Um, that there's nothing better than being able to be around like-minded people and be able to to have those interactions and and be a be a good contributing part of the Disney community. So I think that's great. Well, perfect. Well, Lisa, I thank you so much for joining us today, sharing your Disney story, sharing some of um, the backstory behind why you wanted to start your blog and how you got up to this point. I think our listeners gain so much value out of it and hopefully some entertainment as well. Um, so yeah, thanks again for joining us. Um, and for our listeners, you can connect with Lisa at livingadisneylife.com. There you can get the links to all of the social media or just search for living a Disney life and you'll be able to find it and connect with Lisa and stay up to date. So Lisa, thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. I, it was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure to subscribe to never miss the new episodes on Mondays, Tuesday, and Thursday. Be sure to leave us an iTunes review and share the show with your friends to help spread the magic. Connect with us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast or at DetourToNeverland.com.